The following Taisho by Shinge Roshi, Roko Sheri Shayat, was recorded at the Zen Center of Syracuse Hoenji in Syracuse, New York. These recordings are offered for free. We welcome your financial support. To contribute and for further information, please visit www.zencenterofsyracuse.org. Thank you. Blue Cliff Record, Case 36. Wandering in the Mountains. Main Subject. Chosha Keishin went wandering in the mountains one day. Upon his return to the monastery, the head monk met him at the gate and asked, Where have you been, Master? Chosha said, I've been wandering in the mountains. The head monk asked, Where did you go? Going, I followed the fragrant grasses. Returning, I pursued the falling blossoms, answered Chosha. How you evoke the feeling of spring, the head monk exclaimed. Chosha said, Still better is the dripping of autumn dew from the full-blown lotus flowers. Secho later added, I am grateful to you for your answer. Secho's verse, the whole world without a speck of dust. How can one's eyes not open? Going, he followed the fragrant grasses. Returning, he pursued the falling blossoms. A weary crane perches in a wintry tree. A mad monkey shrieks on an ancient cliff. Chosha's infinite meaning. Ah. So yesterday we began this koan, and what did we do? We wandered. (laughs) We wandered in the vast mountains of our one mind meeting. Nowhere to get to. Nothing to attain. To go into this koan beyond wandering. What is of any purpose? Yesterday, today, always today. So today, Chosha returns 
to the monastery. You may ask, has he finished wandering? He returns to the monastery and gets to the gate and is met by his head monk. who asks him, where have you been? And he says, I've been wandering in the mountains. So far, fine, seems pleasant enough. Oh, Master, where have you been? Oh, I've been out wandering. But with Zen spirit, we can see, although this seems pleasant, although this seems like a perfectly polite exchange, we can see that Dharma combat has begun. (laughs) When did it begin? The moment the head monk saw his teacher returning, he throws down the gauntlet. Here's his teacher. Here's head monk. Here's today. Right here. The challenge, where have you been? Hmm? Where have you been? Is there any place to have been? Is there any time? This is the past, right? Where have you been? Is there any time? And what will the teacher say to this challenge? Seemingly, his answer is quite mild quite reassuring without an edge. I've been wandering in the mountains. Engel comments with this answer of Cho Sha's. He's fallen into the weeds. What will the head monk do with this answer? He asks another question. Where did you go? Where have you been? Wandering. Where did you go? Have you come from anywhere? Have you gone to anywhere? Some of you know Tathagata in the Diamond Sutra. Thus come. Thus gone. I came from nowhere. I go to nowhere. So far, the head monk 
is the host of this encounter. Chosha is the guest. But now they shift. Chosha meets the head monk's attack with his mind of perfect ease. Going, I followed the fragrant grasses. Ah, just, can you smell? How many of you were enjoying the fragrant leaves. Going, I followed the fragrant leaves along Onondaga Creek. Returning, I pursued the falling Blossoms. Returning, I walked among the falling leaves. Where did you go? If he had gone anywhere, another comment by Engo Kokogong, if he had gone anywhere, he couldn't have avoided falling into the weeds. What does falling into the weeds mean? Getting tangled in delusions, in the 10,000 things, in the myriad complexities of what we Deem reality. If he had gone anywhere. But Chosha says, going, I followed the fragrant grasses. Is this going somewhere? Going nowhere. Returning, I pursued. This pursuit is not in the usual sense of the word, pursuing something to attain it, but simply pursuing this moment, this breath, one with it. Inhaling, Fragrance, exhaling, falling blossoms. To this, Engo comments, he's let slip quite a bit. He's given us quite a bit. These fragrant grasses, or in another way of putting it, falling into the weeds, if we have a mind that is bent on achieving or attaining, if we are in pursuit of something, then we notice how caught up we get in these grasses, in these weeds, in these delusions, in these phenomena, entangling ourselves in concepts. Chosha is not at all thus. Hakuin comments on his answer. 
drawn by the fragrant grasses, he goes forgetting himself. When returning, he also forgot himself in the falling flowers. You may be reminded of Dogen Zenji's very famous expression. To usually the word translated as study, stupid, but anyway, to study the way. Let's use a dangerous word that Chosai uses, to pursue the way. You understand, from Chosha's free mind, this pursue is not running after, but one with. All right? So to study the way or to... How about Joshu when he asks Nansen, shall I seek after it? To seek after the mind, to seek after the way. So keep all of this, all right? Kind of juggling in your non-conceptual awareness. <laughs> to study, to pursue, to seek after with no gaining idea, okay? Just Maybe unite with, to unite with the way. Dogen said, is to study or pursue or unite with the self. Right? You remember, some of you? And then? To study the self is to forget the self. What are we doing in our zazen? Seeking, pursuing, uniting, looking deeply, plunging deeply into what is the self? Who am I? Who is it who is asking about the way? To study the way is to study the self. Then, To study the self, as you remember, is to forget the self. To forget the self. What is that? Actualize. To forget the self. Next line is to be actualized by the myriad things, to be enlightened, to be, to realize. But first I ask you, what is it to forget the self? As the Diamond Sutra reminds us, right? No ego entity. No separated individuality or self. To forget the self. All the concepts we have, all the ideas we have about who we are. To really ask this question, who am I, is what we are doing here. No matter what our practice is, we are plunging deeply into this very, moment, again and again. 
Drawn by the fragrant grasses, he goes, forgetting himself. When we forget ourselves, the fragrant grasses are nothing but. Profundity of profundity, Sonoshi said. When returning, he also forgot himself in the falling flowers. I am sure each one of you, during this past 24 hours or so, has experienced something of this. The exquisite taste of Zazen, we may call it. Fragrance. Engel comments, only a man who had cut off the ten directions could be like this. So this is the paradox. We sit in order to cut off all phenomena, all entanglement in the 10,000 things. And when we do, what happens? Everything we encounter, not only the scent of falling leaves, falling blossoms, not only fragrance of these grasses that we encounter, these are poetic examples. But what about piss and shit? Isn't it amazing? So wonderful. Every day we have this Incredible production. (laughs) 10,000 things. To be enlightened by your own shit, this is best. No need to run after fragrant grasses, all right? Inhaling the fragrance of this, whatever we encounter, not preferring, not thinking, oh, this is just, but really. Our zazen allows this to happen. No matter what we encounter, it is the very trigger for awakening. If we are truly giving ourselves hurling ourselves away, forgetting the self. It's not easy to forget this very bossy, bundle of preferences and aversions, is it? So we truly need this kind of practice together. We truly need sazen session after session 
all these years of conditioning are finally seen as suspect. Maybe I'm not just the product of my conditioning. How many of you started to think that it might be suspect? So then the head monk tries to catch his teacher, saying, how you evoke the feeling of spring. Yeah, you might say, well, he's admiring this poetic Response, or keep in mind, this is Dharma combat. He's admiring his opponent's most recent trick and giving his own. So underneath this is some thread of what? How you evoke the feeling of spring. Some hint of what? Hmm? Little, yeah, sarcasm, right? Bit of sarcasm in this statement. Oh. <laughs> Beautiful poetic statement you made. Mmm, I can feel spring. Now, there's something important here in that spring suggests a kind of gentleness, right? Uh, A warmth. After winter comes spring. The days are getting longer. We can bask in the sunlight for the first time after shivering for months. So it has this feeling of um, almost a comfort, uh, beckoning. It must be so pleasant to have been where you were. The head monk is saying, so, such a warm, inviting atmosphere you have projected. Another way of seeing this is we have this uh, fundamental, complementary these two aspects in Zen of holding fast and letting go. So the head monk is saying, oh, you're really letting go. You're giving us something, aren't you? You're conveying such warmth, such enjoyment. Underneath that, as you said, there's a sarcasm. What's the point? What's the jabbing sharp point here that he's conveying? What's he saying? What's his challenge to his teacher in saying this? What happens with letting go. They're always holding fast and letting go. Letting go is like giving out, uh, allowing the person you're speaking to to hold on to something, to, to receive some kind of uh, something that 
might be helpful, skillful means on the part of the teacher, encouragement. You all know, I'm sure, uh, the Basso case 30, gateless gate, where Basso says, this very mind is Buddha. And it doesn't take very long, three cases later, in fact, in the gateless gate, before he says, not mind, not Buddha. And so asked about this, he said, well, I had to stop the baby from crying. And so someone asks, well, what about when the baby stops crying? Not mind, not Buddha. No more candy for children. Deprivation. Cutting through any desire for something given by another. So these have to go together, this letting go and holding fast, these two aspects to let go. Oh, aren't you still in the world of attachment? The monk is saying. Hmm? Enjoyment. Enjoyment. Mm. And at that, Chosha says, still better is the dripping of autumn dew from the full-blown lotus flowers. So here we are in autumn. The chill we sense, impending Winter, branches are getting bare. The dew is getting cold. The flowers that are still full-blown, what does that mean? If they are full-blown, then what? Yes, they're dying. They're about to wither, fade away. When you are full-blown, what's next? (laughs) You all know you're on your way out. So this, still better than the feeling of spring, is the chill of autumn, he's saying. Parrying and thrusting, okay? You're saying I'm attaching to this evocation of spring. Still better. No, you can't catch me. I am in this autumn dew. These bare branches, this cool, lucid mind. Not a trace of warmth. Now, I dare say, most people are thinking, well, that doesn't sound very nice. We don't want this coldness. We want hugs. We want people to say, oh, you're doing such a good job. There's no doubt but that we prefer letting go. And I don't mean our own letting go. We don't prefer that. 
but we prefer it when someone else lets go, gives out, helps us, extends a hand, and encourages us, right? We don't like deprivation. We go out of our way to avoid being deprived. This is where you're supposed to say, well, I don't like Zen. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, what a gift to have no gift. To have it all taken away. What a gift. Where do you find yourself? when it's all taken away. Where will you go? Hakuin comments on this statement, still better is the autumn dew, the desolate scenery of autumn without any odor of Buddhism. This, tomorrow, we will hear in the Diamond Sutra. Sabuti. Bodhisattvas should leave behind all phenomenal distinctions and arouse the thought of supreme enlightenment by not allowing the mind to depend on notions evoked by sounds, odors, flavors, touch contacts, or any qualities. Fragrance, the feeling of spring. The mind should be kept independent of any thoughts that arise in it. If the mind depends on anything, it has no sure haven. This is the quintessence of the Diamond Sutra, this and the final verse. We always think a refuge, a haven, but if we depend on anything, there is no refuge, there is no haven. So, Tisarana. The threefold refuge. Buddham Saranam Gachami. To the Buddha I will go for refuge. To really understand this no sure haven, don't depend on anything. To go to the Buddha for refuge means. through all such ideas of having a refuge must be cut and of course same with dharma sangha if the mind depends on anything it has no sure Haven. So we talked yesterday about this Tadipa. Be an island to yourself. Be a light unto yourself. There is no depending on so-called me, Shakyamuni Buddha, at the end of his life. No.
And every teacher in holding fast is saying the same thing. You're the light. Don't look to me. All I can do is say, The best thing I can do is deprive you of what you want. Your candy? No. Not mind. Not Buddha. So what happens hearing this? What is the monk's parry? Well, as you may recall, he couldn't say anything. Seto had to step in. (laughs) Some time later, he added, I am grateful to you for your answer. Deep bow to this. Still better is the dripping of autumn dew from the full-blown lotus flowers. Everything gone, stripped away. Shido Bunan Zenji put it this way. While alive, be a dead person, thoroughly dead, and all will be well. This means when you have forgotten the self, everything you meet is vibrant, fully alive. You are it. It is you. No gap. Depending on nothing whatsoever. So sexual, so grateful for not getting caught wandering freely among the fragrant grasses and falling blossoms. For this teaching of holding fast. Hakuin says, the realm of Chosha is splendid beyond any description as the present moment or beyond. Buddhism or worldly reality, even in poetry or song, Secho could not refrain from joining him. Stripped bare. Umon put it, something, no matter how wonderful, cannot be better than nothing. So Secho's verse, the whole world without a speck of dust, not a speck of defilement in this entire world, what we call impurity. Therefore, we can admire turd. Not a speck of defilement when Zen eye is clear. So you may be reminded of the sixth ancestor's poem 
in the contest held by the fifth ancestor to see who would succeed him. And the head monk, Shinshu, wrote, The body is the Bodhi tree. The mind is like a mirror. Every now and then, dust and polish it. and Let no dust settle on it. So every morning, each one of you does this temple cleaning with this good spirit. But of course, you don't think that's it. For the sixth ancestor, his poem is, Bodhi by nature is no tree. The mirror is inherently formless. There is originally nothing. On what then can dust settle? What dust? So Chosha's world, the whole world, is completely free of dust, impediment, just original mind, we may say. This scenery of fragrant grasses and falling blossoms and dripping of autumn dew and full-blown lotus flowers just appearing and disappearing, never stuck. The next line, how can one's eyes not open to join Chosha in this realm of Every day, ordinary mind, samadhi, as it is, as it is, playfully wandering, getting nowhere, being no one, free. Such a wonderful invitation. How can one's eyes not open? Going, he followed the fragrant grasses. Returning, he pursued the falling blossoms. These are the next two lines of Secho's verse. He's so appreciating Chosha's mind. Chosha's freedom. In Secho's verse to case 34 of Hekigon Roku, Blue Rock Collection, Kyozan's You Have Not Visited Rosan ends with these two lines. Ten years not returning, he forgot the way he had come. Going and not returning. Returning and forgetting. Where have you come from? Forgetting the self and being enlightened by the myriad things. A weary crane perches in a wintry tree. A mad monkey shrieks on an ancient cliff. So I have these very vivid examples from. Secho, great poet. You may know that in Chinese poetry, the crane is associated with longevity. So this weary crane perching 
in a wintry tree, we may visualize some 130-year-old Taoist sage, spare and craggy, noble of mind, has borne all manner of hardships, living alone, appreciating the solitude, the severity, the austerity. A weary crane perching in a wintry tree. A mad monkey shrieks on an ancient cliff. This monkey shrieking. This loneliness beyond words. This clarity. Uncompromising. No mediation. Engo says, it's somewhat heartrending too, you know. Heartrending, heartbreaking, breaking wide open with this shriek. We are here in session doing open heart surgery. No anesthesia. (laughs) Maybe some of you are taking Tylenol. I don't know. (laughs) I don't recommend it. So mirroring this, uh, this poem, which ends Cho Sha's infinite meaning. Ah, Secho can't after all, say anything. All of his wonderful metaphors at the end. Cho Sha's infinite meaning. <sighs> and mirroring this, Engel quotes a poem by Joshu, the last two lines of which are Originally, I intended to practice to help save others. Who would have suspected that instead I would become an idiot? (laughs) It's so perfect, isn't it? We may have had some grandiose ideas about coming and doing sessions, sitting and Saving all beings after all, every day we chant, Shudo Muhen Segando in a few moments. And this was our intention, a wonderful intention. Hmm. And what does that mean? Liberating all beings. And when all beings have been liberated, no beings have been liberated, Subhuti. Who would have suspected that instead I would become an idiot? Truly Joshua's great maturity. I I would become an idiot. This I tell you over and over. Just be stupid. Just move. Well, what does move mean? Well, how will I know when I pass move? Just count. Yeah, I know how to count from one to ten. Ah, just. Can you just count one? (laughs) Not stupid enough? (laughs) Just to be this idiot, not knowing what you're doing, not knowing why you're doing it, 
not knowing who you are. No idea about doing Zen or practicing Buddhism because we are going to save all beings. Engo says, if one can truly reach this realm, whose eyes would not open? So, no yesterday, no tomorrow. Are we willing to be here now? This famous title of the book by Ramdas, to be here now. Or do we have more interesting things to preoccupy ourselves with? Lots of distractions. There is a passage in this comfortable with uncertainty. Now, this uh, courage to be here now, we know by the second day of session that wandering elsewhere, not the kind of wandering Chosha did, but wandering elsewhere in this kind of fog of not here, not present. This foggy, foggy mind causes us great difficulty. Gets us entangled in the weeds. To leave behind the habits of mind that we think have served us so well and now are coming to see are serving us so ill is not at all an easy thing. So what would it be like to be always now? Pema Chodron in this chapter called Nowness tells a story. So I'll end with this story. There was once a lady who was arrogant and proud. Determined to attain enlightenment, she asked all the authorities how to go about it. She was told, well, if you climb to the top of this very high mountain, you'll find a cave there. Sitting inside that cave is a wise old woman. She will tell you. Having endured great hardships, the lady finally found this cave. Sure enough, sitting there was a gentle, spiritual-looking old woman in white clothing who smiled beatifically. Just what you might expect, right? (laughs) Overcome with awe and respect, The lady prostrated at the feet of this woman and said, I want to attain enlightenment. Show me how. The wise woman looked at her and asked sweetly, Are you sure you want to attain enlightenment? And the woman said, Of course I'm sure. Whereupon the smiling woman turned into a demon stood up brandishing a great big stick and started chasing her, saying, Now! 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 For the rest of her life, that lady could never get away from the demon who was always saying, Now! And Pema Children comments, Now! That's the key trains us to be awake, alive, fully curious about now. The out-breath is now. The in-breath is now. Waking up from our fantasies is now. Even the fantasies are now. The more you can be completely now, the more you realize that you're always standing in the middle of a sacred circle. It's no small affair whether you're brushing your teeth or cooling your food or wiping your bottom, 
whatever you're doing, you're doing it now. Height.